Hello, hello, and welcome to the Already Loved Podcast. I am your host, Carly G. Knipe, and I'm so, so happy that you decided to tune in today. I'm going to get straight to the point and go ahead and pray us in. Dear Lord, we love you so, so much, and we just thank you that we have the technology to join together on a podcast and just praise your name and talk about you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just anoint my words, anoint my lips, Lord, that it might be only you flowing through me. I pray that this encourages somebody who needs encouragement today, that it reminds someone who they are today, Lord. I thank you that you are the one who beautifies our days, that you're the one who gives us reason to live and reason to love. We love you so, so much, Jesus, and it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the song recommendation of the day which, as we know, has become the album recommendation of the day, is one of my favorites lately, and it is Stephanie Gretzinger's Faith of My Father album. Guys, first of all, Stephanie Gretzinger in general just has a beautiful voice and just such anointed worship. Every single time that she worships, she has such a sweetness about her and just a tender heart before the Lord, and it just makes me want to fall on my face and cry every single time. And this album really does that for me. I grew up in a pretty traditional Lutheran church because I went to a Lutheran school. So we would have chapel every Friday, every Wednesday, whatever it was, and we would use a lot of old hymns. I think they tried to keep it kind of modern for us, but let's be real, it ended up being some pretty old hymns. But in this album, Stephanie Gretzinger sings those old hymns and they just brought new meaning to me. Like there's one, As the Deer, my absolute favorite totally forgot about it but she just like unlocked a memory in me that was like oh my gosh I remember being in third grade and singing this at the pews and just it just brought a whole new meaning to it and I just think that goes to show that anything that the Holy Spirit falls upon can become new to us even if it's old you know like he brings old things back to life and I think that really is this album for me so highly recommend could not talk more about it I think I've recommended it to so many people because I'm just like this is so good and it's so beautiful and if you want to cry and if you want to learn old hymns but make them like it's not even that she modernizes them like they are stripped down to their most basic form And I think that's what makes it so beautiful. So highly recommend if you want to bring back simplicity into your walk with the Lord, which I think is something we all need to do, highly recommend that album. So today we are going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and it is the concept of where you belong. And it's a very basic message, but I truly believe that it'll save you from fear of rejection and fear of man if if we know where we belong, more like if we know who we belong to. 1 John 3 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The need to belong is innate, and it's absolutely necessary. I think about every stage of life, we always need a place to belong to. As babies, we need to be like coddled and taken care of. As we grow up, we become more social and we find friends to belong to. In adolescence, we really identify ourselves by our friend groups, the groups in school we belong to, the clubs we belong to, and even in adulthood, our career paths, we always need to belong to something. And when we feel like we don't belong, we are distraught. 
It shows in every single stage of life. As a baby, it can affect your growth and development. And as a child, it shapes your adulthood and your attitudes. And even growing up in adolescence, maybe middle school, high school, it really affects how we view ourselves. And if we don't feel like we have a place to belong to as adults, it can spiral us into anxiety and depression, which is what we've seen in current lifestyles and the world right now. There are three observations I made about belonging, and the first one is when you belong somewhere, you have a title. I think about your last name, that's your family, and you belong to them. I'm Carly Knipe. My last name is Knipe, and I'm part of the Knipe family. The other observation is when you belong somewhere, you don't feel the need to belong anywhere else. I did volleyball for five years through my school and club, and because I was in volleyball, I didn't feel the need to join a different team or join a different sport because I knew, oh, well, I'm doing volleyball. In a similar way, when you belong somewhere, you know who you are. We identify ourselves as what we do. I'm a singer, I'm a student, etc. But I've realized that it's only in God that we can identify ourselves as who we are, not by what we do. And not only do we not define ourselves by what we do, but we're defining ourselves on what Jesus did for us. Whenever can you say that about any other form of identity? It's just so different and it's so beautiful Because of what Jesus did, you are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. You are chosen, worthy, beloved, strong, and these things aren't because of anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And that means that it's not based on our performance that decides whether or not we are these things. I'm not chosen based on whether or not I did the right thing at that time. I'm not worthy based on whether or not I said the right thing. I'm not beloved because I acted a certain way. No, it's because of what Jesus did. So nothing we can do will change that. When I forget who I am, he reminds me. Every single time that I look into the eyes of Jesus, I just see the love that he has for me. And I remember that he is for me. Everything about his nature and his personality just shows how much he loves us. And that alone, just being loved by the King of Kings, is the only identity we need. It's the only name tag title we need. And my goal is to get to the point where that is enough for me. If the only thing I ever was in my entire life was a daughter of the King, would that be enough for me? If I never wrote a book, if I never made it big with this podcast, if I never spoke on a huge stage, if I never got married, if I never became a mother, if I never... All of these things that we desire, whether they're big, little, stupid, silly, whatever they are, if I never got any of those, but I got to spend my life with Jesus, would that be enough for me? And if the answer is no, then I believe there's a root of idolatry there. His love is the highest title, the highest mantle we can ever have. So when you forget who you are and you feel like the world is constantly overwhelming you with so many voices and so many things going on, it feels like you're just at the center of this constant tornado that's like, you have to get straight A's, pass this class, also not go into debt, also work out and work, manage your money, pay your rent, go grocery shopping. All these things that we have to do that are just constantly swirling around us can really take a toll on how we view ourselves and we just forget and we let these things kind of get in our way but when you forget remind yourself and ask the lord to remind you write it on your mirror put it on your car make it your lock screen because the enemy wants to constantly lie to you and tell you that you'll never belong that you'll never be loved that you're annoying unlovable so it's important that we allow the lord to remind us who he is so we remember who we are as priscilla schreier says we are seated in heavenly places 
The enemy cannot destroy you, but he can deceit you. He can render us incapable of fulfilling what the Lord has called us to do, and he does this by telling you lies about who you are. When we're constantly in communion with the Lord, though, and we're just spending our time with him, we're giving him our first and best, and we're just living for him, we're so surrounded by the truth and we're so saturated in the truth that anything that's not the truth is clearly a lie. Like, my eyes are brown, and I know my eyes are brown. This is the truth. So if someone came up and told me, Carly, you have blue eyes, I'd be like, you're literally lying. I have brown eyes and everybody knows that. I know that. And I think it's the same thing. Obviously, that was a kind of a silly analogy. But when you know that you're a daughter of the king, when you know that you're a son of the king, when the enemy comes up and tells you that you're worthless, that you're stupid, that no one will ever like you, you'll be able to so easily realize and recognize the lies And sometimes it's not as clear. Sometimes it's more vague and it's more in the back of our heads. Like it's not even a fully formed thought. You know, there's times that I will just have racing thoughts and have a busy day and I won't even be able to address the thought of like, wow, Carly, that was kind of stupid that you did that. Or wow, you really shouldn't have said that. Or wow, they're never going to like you after that. Some of those thoughts aren't even fully formed thoughts. They're just kind of floating around in my head. But when we're saturated in the truth, it allows the Holy Spirit to penetrate those lies. Growing up, the enemy heavily attacked my identity. I was constantly in a sense of inner turmoil because I just didn't know where I belonged. Because of my adoption, I felt like an oxymoron. And obviously, adoption is such a beautiful thing. It's so amazing. Biggest blessing of my life, for sure. But there's a duality to it. Yes, it was amazing. It's beautiful. But also, it did come with its own burdens and its own set of specific issues. For example, growing up, I felt like an anomaly. Like I felt so out of place because I'm not fully Chinese because I don't speak Chinese. I'm not culturally Chinese at all. I don't know anything about the language or the traditions. So in that way, I'll never belong in China. But then I don't look Caucasian. So it felt like I would never belong in America. And it was just a huge tug of war in my mind of who I was. And I just remember being in turmoil about it and crying to the Lord and saying, Lord, why did you make me like this? Like, why can't I just be white? Why can't I just be normal? Or why can't I just be fully Chinese? Why can't I just live in China and have a Chinese family? You know, like there's all these questions that obviously I feel like the Lord so graciously gave me freedom from and I was able to navigate this in a very healthy way. And I think that if I didn't have Jesus, it would have been so, so much worse for me. I would not have known what to do with myself. And it's so, so much more than simply vanity or physicality. It goes so much deeper than the fact that my eyes are different shape or my hair is darker. It really felt fundamental for me. In that same season of my life, it was around high school. On top of that, I was in between friends and I felt like I was too mature for high school, but not quite yet in college. And I was also at a point in my church where I was attending, but I felt slightly out of place. And I would look at my friends and say, oh, well, they're always going to belong to that church, that school, that volleyball team, that friend group. But I didn't feel that for myself. I didn't quite belong anywhere. I will never forget the deepest revelation the Lord has ever given me. When I asked him, Lord, where do I belong? He said, Carly, you belong to me. And he revealed to me that the idea that anyone belongs anywhere on this earth is a lie. It's a counterfeit. And that we were only ever supposed to belong to him, in his arms, in his love. The labels and the groups that people form on this world are just a temporary place to belong. But the only place that we were ever actually meant to belong is in communion with Jesus. And this is encouraging because it explains why we sometimes don't quite fit in, because we were only ever meant to belong in heaven. But this doesn't just mean that when we die and we live eternity in heaven, it means that right now, 
we belong to him and we have the freedom to abide in him and his real love for us instead of relying on human labels and worldly groups to feel secure. It's also encouraging because it reminds me that this world is so temporary. One day we will all be in heaven worshiping Jesus for the rest of eternity and all the things on earth won't matter. This life is but a speck on the infinite span of eternity. When you wear the identity of any worldly thing, it's so temporary and inconsistent. Even if you're working and you're a manager, you could easily get fired or you could leave that job. If you're an artist, how do you feel when all of a sudden your art isn't performing well or you don't feel good about it anymore? All of these things are so shifty and changing, but the only name tag that we can wear that never changes is son or daughter of the king. So going back to those three observations that I said earlier, when you belong somewhere, you have a title. So when you belong to Jesus, you have a title, and it's daughter or son of the king. The cool thing about sonship is that status never changes. I am Carly Knife. That will never change. I'm never just all of a sudden not going to be <laughs> my mom's daughter or my dad's daughter, you know? And it's the same thing with God, but it goes even deeper because you were a daughter or a son before you even knew it. You were a daughter before you knew who your father was. And that's such a beautiful thing because it shows us that it has nothing to do with us. You aren't a daughter because you're performing well. You aren't a daughter because you're doing well in school, because you're making people proud, because you're this, this, that, or the other. You're a daughter because Jesus said you are. And if that's the case, then all the other things that he says we are have nothing to do with us, but everything to do with him. The other point, when you belong somewhere, you don't feel the need to belong anywhere else. So when you belong to Jesus, you don't feel the need to belong in this world. In John 15, 18 through 19, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So if you ever feel misunderstood, hated by the world, hated by people, maybe your friends, even your own family, we can take comfort in knowing that the world hated him first, so he understands us more than anybody else could. Jesus, of all people, who was scorned and shamed by the cross, understands you. Not only understands what you've been through, but understands you as a person because he made you. So it makes sense we don't need to belong anywhere else because he's the only one who truly understands us. What's more rare and beautiful than being understood? And how much more beautiful is it that the king of the universe understands you to a molecular level? Every single emotion that you don't have a name for, he has a name for. Every single thought that you have, he understands it. There's nobody else like him. Nobody else in my life understands me the way that he does. So no wonder we don't belong in the world because we weren't made for this world. The last point being, when you belong somewhere, you know who you are. I want to read this verse that is mostly about abiding with him and bearing fruit, but to me it also shows what it looks like to belong to Jesus. It's John 15 verses 4 through 15. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. A couple takeaways from this verse, if we remain in him, which means to be in communion with him, we will, and this is a promise, we will bear much fruit. It also says that if we ask whatever we wish, it will be done for us. It says that we will have complete joy and we will be able to have the gift of being his friend. Even though this verse is mostly about bearing fruit and abiding with him, it just encourages me that when I belong to him and I'm living in communion with him, then I will bear fruit. I will have complete joy, the joy that is from him, that if my heart is aligned to his, then my desires will be made known to him. And also that I get to be his friend. There's no friendship like the friendship of Jesus. So if you forget or you're finding yourself in a season where it's just hard to remember who you belong to and who you are, just remain in him. And the beautiful part about that is that he says, remain in me and I also remain in you. It's not that it's a one-way street, like we're trying our hardest, we're doing all the things and we're trying our, our best, but no, it's a leaning back as he remains in us. He remains in us. He doesn't just stop by. He doesn't just say hi for a second. No, he's always there. So if you find yourself in a place where, you know, it's just kind of hard to hear the voice of God or it's hard to find encouragement in your day-to-day, just remember that he remains in you. He's made his home in your heart and he's not hard to find. We must also just take the step to remain in him. I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this beautiful word that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that we belong to you in a world that we find it so hard to belong in. Lord, we thank you that we belong with you. Lord Jesus, that you are our family. That there's no one like you. There's no friendship like yours. That you will always understand us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And I pray that goodness follows every single listener throughout this week, Lord. You're such a good father. You're such a good friend. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I am so glad that you did. Thank you for your time. Thank you for supporting. And I hope you have an amazing week. Share this episode with anybody that you think might benefit from it. And if you're not already following me on social media, it is at KG Nipe or at Already Loved Podcast. I love you guys so, so much and have a great day. Peace out. Peace out.